Welcome to Explore Expert Conversations, presented by Anywhere Real Estate, bringing our global network to your front door. Hello and welcome to another episode of Explore Expert Conversations, brought to you by Anywhere Real Estate. Our show features discussions with leaders across the Anywhere Real Estate brands and the industry at large, with high-level advice for brokers, agents, and investors worldwide. I'm Matthew Ferrara, philosopher, speaker, and real estate industry expert. And today, I'm pleased to present to you another exciting conversation with an Anywhere leader, Peter Sobeck. We'll be discussing some of the best practices for attracting and retaining top talent based upon Peter's decades of experience and success in the business. We'll highlight firsthand insights into the benefits of building a winning team and how you too can cultivate your own winning talent. This is a conversation I greatly enjoyed. Peter is always full of energy and passion for this industry, so you don't want to miss this episode. And as always, thank you for listening to Explore Expert Conversations, where we bring you insights and resources to grow your business. I'm thrilled to have Peter with us today. I'm excited he's going to share his insights with all of you. Peter, thanks for hanging out with us. So let's just jump right in here because I know from countless conversations with you just how much you have to share with our audience. And we're thinking about growth. We're thinking about not just recovery, but new levels of performance and success. And clearly that's driven by talent. This is a talent industry above all else. I'd love for you to kick us off by just Tell us a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of talent. What kind of mindset as broker leaders and professionals, what should we be thinking about right now with respect to growing and respect to our professional talent? Sure. I think the first thing, Matt, is the mindset has to be we serve agents. That's the mantra of the company-owned side of Realogy, who I represent. We serve agents. We feel there's a lot of agents out there that need to be helped. There's a lot of agents with inferior companies, brands, leadership that need support. Our, our attitude is we rescue people, actually go out there and make sure they know there's other options to help them. So I think we have to be really clear on who would help better serve an agent than us, right? That's the mindset. Who would take better care of an agent than you or your listeners? That's sort of where we start. So when you're thinking about the industry, 1.2, 1.3 million real estate professionals out there, some of them are probably in a better position than others. There are a lot of great professionals who might be looking around saying, I could use some more help. I could use a little bit more leadership. I could use some opportunities other than just what I thought was a good standard of performance. There are opportunities to grow out there. It really is incumbent on us as leaders to get our mind into a place of we can help. We can reach out to people. They don't have to struggle. We can invite them into our fold. True. And I'll be honest with you. I'll give you two major secrets of ours with recruiting and growth. We've been on a major growth initiative for the last three and a half, now almost four years. And I will tell you, we look for two things. We look for agents that are with what I call self-service companies where the agents basically serve themselves in return for a very high split or 100% split. And we know that agents in those companies, many of them need a tremendous amount of help. The other demographic we look for, Matt, are agents with independent companies. The most success that we've had in the last four years during this major growth initiative has been targeting agents with independent, non-affiliated broker owners 
both large and small. That accounts for almost 70% of all of our recruits. Okay, so, so we're looking out there, we're looking for people who might not have all the resources that they themselves might be unable to pull together, especially at a time like this. We want to reach out and have conversations with them. I know that you have a couple of best practices or protocols, as you call them. Tell us a little bit about this concept of the 532 protocol that mm -hmm. our, our broker listeners today might be able to say, okay, I see how that works. Yeah. So our, all of our branch office managers on the company-owned side, uh, about 575 of them around the country, we use something called a 532 protocol. Five legitimate recruiting contacts or conversations per day, five days a week. Three appointments where you get an opportunity to tell your story. Now, right now, our stories are being told virtually. And then two quality recruits or associates per month. That is the minimum recruiting output we require from all of the company-owned branch office managers around the country. And just to put that simple protocol, Matt, into perspective, five contacts a day, five days a week, 48 weeks out of the year is 1,200 recruiting contacts in a year. And when you speak to 1,200 agents in a year, trust me, you're going to figure out how to bring in two people. <laughs> Sure, you're definitely going to get 25 to come join your organization. I mean, the beauty of prospecting is that to some extent, it is a wonderful combination of numbers and storytelling in that case. Yes. Now, you just mentioned something about storytelling. Obviously, let's talk about the virtual storytelling space we're in right now. Many brokers, they're going to have to do some virtual presenting and some virtual uh, onboarding as well. Tell us about what you're seeing in terms of best practices for virtual presentations and success around that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we've recruited hundreds of agents. It's a learning curve, right? There are some managers who don't understand Zoom or Teams or even FaceTime. You know, they had to learn that. But as soon as we realized we could not recruit the way we normally would with that in-person meeting, we had to immediately switch on the dime to virtual. So what we did is we immediately started providing educational programs and sessions and webinars for our branch office managers, how to use something like Moxie. So Moxie, most people know Moxie as a listing uh, presentation tool. We completely revamped that where we morphed it into a Moxie recruiting presentation where we can add video, we can add local marketing collateral, we can add those success stories and those testimonials. So we immediately started providing training to have managers understand how to connect with people in a virtual environment because we still had to recruit. Like on our side of the fence, on the company-owned side, growth is not optional. Like our people don't have a choice. Like they have to go out and tell those stories. So using things like Moxie has been a great asset for us. And then using agents, referrals, asking agents to hook us up with one of their buddies, with one of those companies, to have a three-way virtual cup of coffee where we could talk about our support, our tools, and how we could help that agent especially for an agent who doesn't want anyone to know that they're talking to anybody else. So I think we're on to something. And I think this is going to be a huge part of our recruiting success going forward. Very cool. Very cool. So let's talk a little bit about these conversations. I know that there's two areas you've always been very focused on, and we sort of opened it up a little bit in terms of storytelling. But you know, when you have these conversations, there's probably two key points that you have to be a master in. One is your numbers. You gotta know your numbers in terms of productivity, in terms of growth, in terms of your operational numbers. And the other is know your value prop, really, which is deeper than just the general bio story of your organization. What do you bring to the table? How does that help individuals grow? How do they use your value prop to create great outcomes 
for their clients and people that matter in their lives. Let's talk about both of those. Let's start with your numbers. How do you see the issue of knowing your numbers playing into the conversations today, especially when maybe for a little bit, everyone's numbers are a bit jumbled? So what we teach, Matt, is a series, what we call deposits and withdrawals. So every phone call, every meeting, every text, every email, every you know, Facebook uh, interaction, every one of those is a deposit in an agent's account. And recruiting is like farming, like geographical farming for an agent. You need to make enough contacts, or we call them deposits, before you could attempt to make the withdrawal. Hmm. This world we're living in right now, you know, COVID-19, this is not the time for body slam, hard close techniques. It's not. We have to be patient and know that we have to make enough or sufficient deposits in an agent's account before we could attempt to make the withdrawal. So we just have to be a little more patient because a hard close at this time, not knowing what's happening in an agent's home and their family and their life and their kids, probably not going to work really well. But we want to set the table. We want to position ourselves so if something happens in that agent's life or world or company, they lay off a manager, they close the company, they sell the company, they fire the favorite admin, there's massive layoffs, they roll back splits, they cut back whatever, they experience what we call pain, we can then reach out and say, are you okay? Right. Want to grab a virtual cup of coffee and talk about it. If we didn't make deposits, and then we hear a local competitor say, I'm done, I'm out. And then we call up and say, hey, Matt, I just heard your broker shutting down. You want to have a cup of coffee? That's ambulance chasing, and nobody likes that. Right. R relationship building continues to really be the heart of this, right? Just being 100%. connected to people that you care about, people that you 100%. want to see be successful, so that if there's an opportunity to forward the conversation, you've at least already established some positive intentions, if you will. Correct. We're hearing, even from our own managers, a manager saying it's insensitive. Hmm to recruit now. It's insensitive to make a call now. People think we're tone deaf and we're being disrespectful. Hmm. Here's how I answer them. Would you ever tell one of your agents not to call a past client, not to call a sphere of influence, not to follow up with a potential buyer or seller you're in communication with to check in and see, are you okay? Every single manager says, of course not. Of course I want, well, of course. Right. And we want our managers to be doing the same thing and you know, second part of your question is you got to know your value proposition. Like, why would an agent be better served to hang out with you? Why would you be a better business partner than where they are now? Why would it be in their best interest to pick up their five-year career, take the risk and come over to us? What's in it for them? And you've got to be crystal clear on what you bring to the table because that's going to give you the confidence to make those phone calls or make those deposits. So let me pick up on two things that you've just said. That's a really great reminder for our audience that it's not insensitive if we really do care about their careers, we truly do care about their success, and we express that in the way, like you said, is not the, the hard sell. We're not calling to create a pressure moment, but simply to say, if we can be of help, obviously we, we do care. Then the second part of that is, let's talk about value proposition. I would assume that there's sort of two layers of that conversation right now. There's the value proposition conversation about how our organization can help people through tough times, right? So that would be kind of relevant to this particular moment that we're in. And then there's the long-term value proposition conversation, which is to get um, talent to start thinking about what does their career look like in the long arc? Where do they wanna be one year, five years, 10 years from now? And what will it take for them to get there? And if they're currently satisfied or not satisfied, how we get them into that conversation. How do you sort of do both value propositions in these particular times? 
So first of all, I think for a lot of our managers, they make a classic mistake. Hmm. Say to an agent, I can teach you, I can help you get to the next level of production. We don't like that because for many of them, that's not going to be the case. If you're going after a top agent with a massive ego and a big book of business, they're going to do what they want to do the way they want to do it. And we're not going to have a tremendous amount of influence on their career. I think the first thing we have to do is I say to our managers, if the local board of realtors or multiple listing service or Matt Ferrara asks you to write a white paper on what you're most passionate about, what your expertise is, what you're really scary good at, what would you write about? That's something, but it could be social media, it could be marketing, it could be prospecting, it could be absentee owners, it could be investors, whatever, whatever you're really good at, like that's the lane you stay in, like that's how you sell yourself. I can help you do these things, you don't have to be all things to all people, and if you want to be all things to all people, you're going to have a hard time recruiting a top agent because you probably never competed or you never performed at the same level as them. So I think, you know, remember the coach does not have to be better than the athletes that they coach. They just have to be a little better at one or two things to help that agent and support their business. So we find top agents want one of two things. One, some do want to make more money. Two, others just want a life. They want to be able to enjoy the money they make. So a big part of the value proposition could be, I can help you get a life. I can support your business. I can allow you to enjoy the money that you make. I can allow you to have a date night with your spouse or partner or go on vacation and feel comfortable that I'm gonna handle your business while you're gone. That could be enough for some top agents. It's not always about, I'll take it to the next level of production because that's just so cliche and most managers can't make that happen anyway. You know, that's a fascinating point to make because I think that has two layers right now. One is you're encouraging people to talk to talent in terms of their uh, personal needs, not just only their technical needs, if you will, their operational needs. Sure, there might be clear opportunities to have a slightly better system or slightly more effective uh, technology. But what you're really after is what matters to you? Where does your career and your life intersect? And I want to pay attention to that as much as I might pay attention to your dollars and ranking and, and production like that. So the second piece that I think was was fascinating was where you're looking at this and you're saying like, my job is to help you be effective as you, not to turn you into something other than you. In other words, I want to help you grow as you are, right? Grow as you are rather than I necessarily need to fix you, which is a very different kind of conversation. And I would actually think connecting it to what you said before, it's more of a sensitive conversation right now. It seems to me like that's the kind of conversation people would want to have during a disruptive period, as opposed to maybe where we were six Months ago, I could probably think of countless conferences I've been to where the head-to-head -head was about whether my gadget was better than your gadget and my comp plan was better than your comp plan. Is something happening in a way to the sort of mindset of our industry? So I think, yes. And I think that great conversation, a business conversation, if you were the agent, I say, Matt, look, let's just get together for a virtual cup of coffee. I'm sure you're crazy in love with your broker owner manager. I'm sure you're very happy where you are. I'm sure you're very busy. You make a lot of money. I just want to have a high level business conversation to see how we might be able to be compatible, to see how we might be able to support you and your business. And at the end of that conversation, if you feel you're in the best place where you are now, then you stay, we'll be friends, we'll do deals. It's fine. If maybe, I don't know, maybe we could be partners. Maybe we could work together. Maybe there's some things that I or we could do to support you. One of the powerful things to say to an agent that's with an inferior brand, an inferior company, an inferior business model is to say something like, Matt, you're like a Ferrari engine stuck in a Ford body. 
And what I can do is I can match up your engine, that Ferrari, with a company or a brand like ours that can match you head to head, and we could take off, mm-hmm. right? You're happy being a Ferrari stuck in a Ford body, you stay where you are. Right. The other thing, back to your other point, I'm fascinated right now watching The Last Dance on ESPN, the story of Michael Jordan. And I love that because Michael Jordan, trust me when I tell you, Phil Jackson, his coach at the Bulls to all those championships, was a professional basketball player. He was never, ever on the level of Michael Jordan. But Michael Jordan would say on that interview, on the piece, I only want to work for him. I only want him to be my coach. He knows what I need. He knows what we need to be better performers. He can't teach me how to be a better player, but he can help me and support me so I can be that best player. And I think that's a powerful thing where a lot of us are sitting on a gold mine of what we can bring to an agent, how we could partner with them, but we're not saying the right things. We're saying, I can make you more money. You could be more productive. You could hang out with me. And that might be in most cases missing. And I think what you're often, what you're kind of hinting at is where often leadership gets a little confused as to what they're supposed to do. Like we're not supposed to run the agent's business. We're not supposed to have outperform the agent such that they want to become us. Our job is to be the fertile ground in which they can plant themselves and we help them grow just further into what they're doing. And related to that, I kind of like what, what you were hinting at in terms of as the coach, right? Our job as the coach is to allow them to grow in the ways that they want, but to mobilize our tools, our systems, our network, our uh, resources in a way that maybe they just weren't aware could help them create a boost, but it's, it's still going to be you know, up to them to make that boost happen. Correct, correct. We have so much stuff, right? Like we, we're guilty of having so much what I call stuff. And a lot of it's really cool, awesome stuff. Here's the problem. Stuff is only good, you know this, if people learn how to use it. Right. right. Doesn't have the time. So a great broker owner manager could be sort of like the, the filter, right? They could filter all that stuff, right? And pick the one, two, three things that they think have the best impact for one of their people and then teach them how to get the most out of that. That's a phenomenal business relationship and partnership. And that may be all an agent needs. Right. Right. next level and not just all about a bigger split. I liken this to the same conversations that agents have with clients, right? It's not only about what the client is going to get in terms of it, the service, the platform, the house, it's who they're going to become as a result of that experience, right? So when they buy the house that's in the neighborhood or is in the vacation home they've always thought of or you know whatever that is, it's who they and their family become as a result of that process, not just whether every bathroom has two sinks, whether there's 10 steps or 12 steps. I do think in unprecedented times, people aren't just questioning how much they get. They are questioning, like, what am I going to become at the end of this crisis? What will my career be like? What will my life be like? And those kinds of conversations, I think, could resonate in, in a very valuable way right now. Yeah, look, I've been doing this for 42 years. I've been an agent. I've been a manager. I've owned my own company. I owned a franchise. I've been all the things you said before, right? Crazy as it sounds, and although we've never been through this, right? We've never been right. this. We've been through a lot. But, and everyone listening will relate to this. We actually don't mind these challenging times because the old saying, the cream rises to the top, is 100% correct and true. Let's talk about the, the sort of tech side of the industry. The last five years, for sure, have been heavily tech-centric, right? And, you know, when you're thinking about these conversations and maybe some agents who have been trained to only ask about like tech and commission, tech and commission, tech and commission, right? 
How do I get beyond that? What's a good way for a firm to differentiate from just tech and commission? While they are important, they're clearly not the whole meal, right? As we've been talking about, what's a quick way for us to move the conversation beyond that? Good, cool, quick way is this, Matt, let me ask you a question. You wanna brag about your split? Or you wanna brag about your 1099? <laughs> right. You don't pay your bills with your split, you pay your bills with your 1099. So if all you want out of our conversation is the highest possible split in the marketplace, we're probably not your guy. I'm not your guy, we're not your office, right? But if we could help you uh, uh, net more money at the end of the day, because of all the things that we have, the service, the support, the tools, the trading, the coaching, all the things that we provide, then that could be a very healthy conversation because if all an agent wants is a split, and I know most do today, if that's all they want, if that's their only focus, they're very, being very short-sighted because we know that about 70% of the agents who choose to leave us for one of these high split model companies, 70% right. of them do not perform at a better or higher level. Wow. This actually goes down because they don't have the, the team to support them and they're on, them, on their own because it's a self-service company. On the tech side, I still believe, I'm old fashioned, I know you're a big tech guy, so you may not like what I'm about to say, I'm not sure, but I'll say it anyway. I still believe in our heart of hearts, the real estate profession is a people, service, hospitality, relationship business. That should be fueled by tech. The tech fills in all the gaps, gives you a bigger reach, right? Get a lot more done in less time. But at the end of the day, any of our managers who try to recruit and grow and build an office because they're hanging out on Facebook, or they're just using technology, they're not recruiting at the same level or pace as someone who will pick up the phone and actually have a conversation. So what I say to managers, you don't need another app. You need to use the phone. You need to make those connections, right? And then you use all the cool toys that we have and technology we have to deeper uh, and make those connections, if that makes, if that makes any sense. It does. I mean, I think what you're reminding us all is that sometimes the best app is our heart. You know, it's the ability to be connected and to be in a place where we're supported. And frankly, if the electricity goes out today, can we still grow? Like if the system were down, would we still be able to pursue our goals? Let me connect that to another quick question here. How much are you driven by running down the ranking list at the MLS and looking at agent production before making a call? Are there other criteria? the agent's method of doing business, their culture, their reputation? Like, is it just about running down the top 25% of the marketplace? Or are there other reasons and ways in which, in, in your experience, good talent uh, should be brought in, attracted into the organization? No, that's a great question. So think of the pool of agents as a pyramid or a triangle. Right. right. And think about that top 20% or 25% being that, that the peak of that or the tip of the spear or the peak of that triangle. I don't like that group of agents. I like the bottom 75%. Okay, all right. And I'll tell you why. The top 25%, which is really the first quartile agents in a marketplace, here's the issue. They're like professional athletes that think of nothing of picking up their talents and going to higher split or a bigger deal. So I'm not saying you don't want a top agent, but top agents sometimes come with a lot of baggage, massive egos, never happy, always want more. They're always pushing you and pushing you and pushing you to make like no money. So I think there has to be a balance. I personally like, and what we teach and train is to go after that bottom 75% because we can bring them in on better economics. We can rebalance the scales of those super high split agents so we can keep a little bit extra money so we can actually make money for a change. Our top agents want us to be a nonprofit and we're not a nonprofit. We have the right to make money too. So one of the secrets for us is that wide middle. We love agents that we call our sweet spots that are typically doing one to five deals a year, 
that, you know, they could tell us all day, every day, oh, my company has great training. Really? You're doing two deals a year. Our culture is the best in the industry. Okay, nice try. You're doing two deals a year. My broker owner, I love them. Well, you'll love me more if I could double or triple your business, right? So, so we love that group of people. And that is actually one of the recruiting secrets. And if you have an aggressive competitor, don't go after their top people. Ping them from the bottom up. You just want to create momentum and movement. You want to be able to say, did you know that six agents from the local, wherever, just joined our office and our company in the last 30, 60 days, as opposed to getting one maybe big agent where you're going to make no money on them, and then you're going to aggravate everybody else in the office. So that's our, our philosophy. I'm not saying it's right for you or them, but we like that. We like going after that lower level producer who is more appreciative of the partnership and what we bring to the table. Mm, and you may have a very measurable, very obvious and quick success for them, very quick impact on, on their business. Now, let's flip this over. I mean, in your experience, I'm sure you've had a few people have said, uh, no, thank you, Peter. Not in the spirit of overcoming that objection, but in the spirit of how you maintain your mindset and how you keep going after that. Sure. I guess it was Winston Churchill who said success is basically keeping a positive attitude uh, while going from failure to failure. We're all going to get a few no's. What do you do and how do you advise others to sort of keep going after uh, there's, a, there's a decline? Again, we get back to that deposit withdrawal philosophy. I'll give you a little secret. Our top recruiting managers, the top 20% of those almost 600 around the country that are with NRT now called Realogy Brokerage Group, right? they require between 10 and 16 deposits in an experienced agent's account before they could attempt to make the withdrawal. It's rarely ever one and done. Right, right. And if you call an agent once, they say, I'll be right over, that's probably not a good idea. So we have to understand it takes a multitude of contacts or deposits over an extended period of time. You don't call somebody 10 times in 10 days, that's stalking, right? And we don't like stalking. But we have to understand it takes a while. It's like, think of it as geographical farming for an agent. I pick my 500 homes. I start knocking on doors, making calls, dropping off stuff. You rarely get lots of listings your first time through. It takes six times, eight times, nine times before somebody says, hey, I think I want to talk to you about maybe buying or selling or whatever the case might be. It's almost the exact same concept. It does take a while. So that's why you got to be like in it to win it. And that's why it's five a day, five days a week, 48 weeks out of the year as a minimum, not like randomly when I feel like I'm in the mood and really we're in the mood. You know, I love that. It's the longevity, keep going and play the long game. And obviously the long game is serving so many companies so well right now during a downturn. Like I'm talking to brokers all the time and they're investing. They're investing in their talent. They're investing in systems and tools. They're investing in their message because they're playing the long game. They know this too shall pass. So let me ask a couple of good questions. What are some of the ways that you encourage managers and owners to sort of demonstrate the valuable return on someone making a transition, a real ROI? You know, what, what kinds of points of proof should we be talking about when we do have a conversation about, will my life be better? Will my career be better? And also my personal life related to that. Do you think some of those have changed as a result of the period that we're in? Do you think perhaps some of the real return on investment conversations are also going to evolve. Yeah. So I'll answer it two ways. One would be, you mentioned in, when we started that I worked in New York City for City Habitats, which is under the corporate umbrella. And I was the chief operating officer there. And I worked for Gary Mallon, who was the president of City, who's now the chief operating officer of Corcoran. Right. And uh, he used to have a great saying. He called it the umbrella. And he would say, listen, I get it. We used to be called NRT back then. 
you know, NRT may not be the sexiest company. And on the sunniest day, the sun may not shine the brightest on us because we're a big publicly traded company. But he said, I'll tell you what, on a stormy day, on a rainy day, you're going to appreciate our umbrella. Meaning we're going to be able to get you through things. Now, who knows about this, right? The circumstances we're in now, but having the size, having the scale, having the money, having the tools, having the market share, having the brand, having all that can really help somebody get through things like we're experiencing right now. I think that everyone needs to balance both the concept of like growth in a good time and bumps in the road, because regardless of this particular bump in the road, there are always bumps in the road, right? So we had a financial crisis 10 years ago. We had September 11th. We've had some markets that have experienced tax law changes. You know, whatever those things are, they could be big bumps and little bumps. An organization that serves talent well is one that is bright when things are good and strong when things are tough. So I think that's an important conversation to encourage people to have. Yeah. Yeah, So the other secret is monetize. Your question was, you know, how do you agent to join us? How do you demonstrate it? Monetize it. So for example, if your average sales price is $50,000 more Mm -hmm. than the agent is coming from, in most cases, that's $1,000 in the agent's pocket. If you're able to get an agent up and running in 30 days to get their first piece of business compared to the industry average or market average or where they are now, that's something else. If you can show proof of concept, what I call proof of success, where agents like them that have come to your company and plugged into all your stuff have been able to get to that next level of production, what's that worth over a five, 10 year period of time? Your PPP, per person productivity, what is that? Like, what is your PPP, whether it's deals or dollars or volume? So like, for example, the company owned side, PPP last year was six deals per person. If I strip out all our zero producers, team members, new to business, people that just hang out, strip that all out and then recalculate my PPP, my per person productivity, it now goes to 10. Now, if I'm calling an agent doing one, two, three, four deals a year, and I've got a PPP of 10, that's a powerful conversation. That is an awesome script. That is a great conversation to have with someone that if you're doing two deals per year, my average agent does five times that. And that means X number of dollars more. And over the five, 10, 15 years of your career, that's X number of dollars more in your pocket. Who would you rather have that money, you and your family, or your current broker owner? And when you said that, Peter, it made me think of that old proverb or phrase or something that said like, you're the average of the five people you're surrounded by, right? So from a professional standpoint, do I want to be surrounded in my office with people doing six, eight, 10, 12 deals? Or do I want to be surrounded by some other number? What what, what is that number? And then realize that they'll help me attract listings. They'll sell my listings. They'll bring buyers to my deal, et cetera. One of our viewers today is in a brokerage, which, you know, is very self-serve in that sense, right? And has to rely on themselves for a lot of things. They have no brick and no mortar. What would you suggest? So I guess this is a hard question. How would you actually advise someone in that position to grow their talent? How do you think they're going to try and go forward and bring talent into their organizations in the next, well, through this period and into the future? So look, as the markets go up and down, we see competition go up and down, right? So National Association of Realtors is like 1.4 million members. And during that real hard time was down to like 800,000. I mean, right, right. When they go out, it's a gig, it's a thing. I'm a bartender. I'm going to do real estate. You know, you never hear somebody say, I'm going to do being a doctor, right? Like I'm going to do real estate because what's it cost to get in? A thousand bucks in most states around the country. So, but I think we have to understand that there are some agents that are at very high levels of production where economically 
it could be better for them to be in a self-service company where they're keeping 100% of their commission, they're entrepreneurial, they're good business people, they have a careful check on their expenses, and net, net, net bottom line, they could be better off than being with like a full service company. I hate to say that, but that really is true. But that's the exception. Got it. That's the top 10%. Right. 90% of an agent population, in our opinion, based on our experience that are associated or affiliated with self-service companies where they would greatly benefit by taking that Ferrari engine and sticking it in a Ferrari body, and then they could really take off. Yeah. There are some agents who do two deals a year, and they're thrilled to be with a company where they get 100% of those two deals because they never want to do anything more. That's their vacation money for their grandkids, and they're fine. They did three deals one year, and they couldn't take the pressure. So they're happy, but there's people in between that are ripe and potentially great candidates for companies like ours, for example. And that's what I think that's a that's a great point, right? You've got to find the right matches and not everyone is the right match in the same way that for a real estate agents, not every potential seller is the right seller for us. The seller right. who doesn't have the ability to compensate us properly or doesn't have the ability to yeah. uh, hear our advice on pricing or staging or marketing or something like that. Now, I've got a bunch of questions in the list. So again, I'm going to, I love putting you on the spot because you're just so good at this, but all right, let's pretend, Peter, that poof, I, I wave my magic wand and I put you in charge of a small brokerage that doesn't necessarily have all the stuff that a bigger, more invested, capitalized, resource competitor has. How do they gather their thoughts and how do they grow as well? What are options for them? How do they recruit? What are growth options that they might not even be thinking of right now in terms of talent? Any thoughts there? Sure. So I think if I were in charge of a small brokerage right now that didn't have all the resources and tools, I'd have to make a lot of phone calls. I'd have to make a lot of connections. And But I guarantee you, I could find people that would want to be with the boutique type feel. I, I would find people that want more of that interaction and they want that more of that connection and they truly need a good business partner, a collaborator. That's what I'd look for. I'd look for people that they don't want to be with a 500 agent uh, market center or not everybody wants things like that. So I'd have to be willing to make a lot more calls. I'd have to be willing to do a lot more interviews. I'd have to be crystal clear on what I bring to the table, why that agent would be better served to be with me. And I'd be very upfront with, I'd say, Matt, look, I don't have all the tools and the gadgets and the tech and the, I don't have all that, but I got me and I, I care about you and I can help you support your business. And we're doing some exciting work here. We're doing good work in this community. We've cornered this segment of the market. Like we're scary good in this town or this zip code or this price point or this type of housing. I'm actively engaged broker owner. I'll go with you on listing appointments. I'll talk to your crazy buyers and sellers. I'll help you clean up your messes. I'll help you get price repositions. Like I'm vested. I want to help you. I mean, my mom built her company that way. My mom was a small independent. She was she was surrounded by big guys and she would go out and she would just tell her story. I'm not them, I'm me. And this is what I'm looking for. And she found people that were like, you know what, Joan, I want to be in that kind of environment. I want that close interaction where you don't always get that. This is what's fun about talking with you, Peter, is because you're always able to identify a competitive advantage, right? We always have one. It might be in systems and tools. It might be in a niche market. It might be in a uh, certain other capabilities that we have. And I think that's really the message, right? The message is like, find your competitive advantage, find your sweet spot and recruit to that sweet spot, recruit to that conversation and match the right people for the right organization. Which brings up another question that we have here, which is 
What about your thinking in terms of some people who might have left in the last year or two? And is this an opportunity to reach back out to them? From our standpoint, I wish I could tell you, Matt, that at, when our managers or RVPs or presidents of our companies lost a great agent that caused them a lot of angst that they're keeping in touch, they typically don't. Yeah. They burn the bridge. They get angry. They're like, how could you do this to me? I've been so good to you. I went to, you came to my son's wedding. I, I watched your dog when you were on vacation. Like they do all that stuff, right? So we have to understand the, the psychology behind an agent, right? An agent leaves, been with us for five years. We supported them, trained them, coached them. We were the deal doctor, the psychologist, the psychiatrist, the marriage counselor. We gave them business. We built them. We built their book, right? Then they come in. You got a minute. You know, I love you, but kiss of death. I'm going to go take my talents and other teeth. And most of our people get so angry. Like, how could you do this to me and take it personally instead of saying, Matt, look, I get it. We've had a good run for five years. I'm sad. Because I'll tell you, I thought we were a great team. And I'm sure this is not an easy decision. I think it's what's in your best interest for you and your family. I get that. Go do your thing. Go explore. Brian Gorman, my boss, would say, go study abroad for a while. Let's see <laughs> how that goes, right? And then, uh, listen, the door's always open. You're always welcome to come back home. With your permission, we're going to stay in touch, right? Now, the secret then is every 60 days, like clockwork, like an appointment in your schedule, you have to call that agent. And I wouldn't say, hey, Matt, how you doing? Are you happy over there? They're going to lie to you. They're never going to tell you what a terrible mistake. What they're going to do is just go someplace else. So I'd have to call you up and say, hey, Matt, it's Peter. Hey, listen, we still love you. We still miss you. We still want you back. And you're going to say, no, I really, I can't blame a guy for trying. I'll talk to you in 60 days. And I'm going to have that conversation every 60 days. Hey, we love you. We miss you. We still want you back. Let's grab a virtual cup of coffee right now. And you're going to blow me off until one day I'm going to call you and you're going to say, uh, okay, because maybe I'm not getting the support. Maybe I'm not doing as well. And if I monitor your production and right. I your production is tanking since you left me, I'm getting you back. But I have to be the big boy and I have to come in and say, I love you. I miss you. I want you back. Humble myself because the agent's ego and embarrassment is on the line and they don't want to face rejection. So it's funny because what we're really talking about is like our emotions get in all of our ways, right? As managers, they get in our way of staying connected to people that we up until yesterday still loved, right? And still enjoyed working with. And then our, as salespeople, sometimes our emotions get in a way of not wanting to feel embarrassed of not being able to admit it. Gosh, that just didn't work out for me. We have a couple of minutes. Just reacquaint us with the 532 protocol. Tell us what it, how it works again, because I think it's a high note for us to sort of wrap up on in terms of reminding that anybody in whatever organization they're in could follow this pattern and derive some success. Sure. So on the company-owned side, we have four types of managers. We have 575 of them, but they're all divided into four categories. We have okay. recruiters that manage. Recruiting is their first and foremost job, and then they backfill their day with managing an office. We have managers that recruit. These are people who run the office and backfill with recruiting. We have managers that manage, which there's not much recruiting going on unless someone walks in, calls, and gets referred. And then we have some, sadly, babysitters who just sort of babysit the office, like adult daycare for realtors, and we're figuring out how to deal with them. But to answer your question, the recruiters that manage, where recruiting is their, their first and foremost activity, the protocol is 532. Five legitimate voice-to-voice -voice on the phone or in-person contacts deposits per day. Now, it's not five new agents every day. It could be five follow-ups. Every 60 days, I called someone, I love you, I miss you, I want you back, right? That's, that's a contact every time you do that. So five a day, five days a week, 48 weeks out of the year, that's 1,200 voice-to-voice -voice contacts. 
that is going to lead you to three, three in-person, now virtual, meetings a week. Quick conversation at Starbucks, full blown interview, virtual presentation, whatever you tell your story on how you could be a better business partner uh, than where they are now. And that leads to at least two quality recruits or associates per month. That's 24 a year for a typical branch office of ours that has about 70, 75 agents in it. That's the minimum recruiting output or protocol. Does everyone do that? No, because not everybody's a recruiter that manages, but that's what we're trying to hold everybody to. And by the way, what I just described is an hour to an hour and a half a day out of an eight hour plus business day. Mm. Not like all day, every day, that's all we do. It's a part of their, their management responsibility. And it's interesting because in many ways, you'll be modeling the same behavior as a manager that you want your agents to model as a salesperson, right? Having five 100%. effective sphere of influence conversations, three effective meetings, ultimately getting two listings or, or buyer offers or something over the, over yep. the month, right? So yep. brilliant. So, First of all, Peter, I want to thank you for two things. One, not just a wealth of great information, but I also want to thank you for your transparency and talking about the things that are working well and the things that you're working on. And all of you taking time to participate and help us be effective with you. We appreciate your attention. We hope that you are enjoying these sessions and benefiting from them. We wish you all the luck and stay healthy, stay strong, and we'll see you next week. Well, that wraps up this episode. I hope our conversation brought you some insights and ideas on how you can build and cultivate top talent. As always, if you enjoy the program, please be sure to tell others to subscribe and take a moment to rate our show. And we always love it if you'll leave a review. I'm Matthew Ferrara, and this has been Explore Expert Conversations from Anywhere Real Estate, bringing you insights and resources from across the industry to grow your business. Please join us again next time.